everyone, it's Chloe, and I'm so excited to share something fabulous with you, Vogue's first ever global fashion community, Vogue Club. Our members get to mingle with Vogue editors, yes, including me, and fellow fashion enthusiasts at exclusive events around the world. And that's just the start. Membership opens doors to the fashion industry, bringing you expert career advice and insider style and beauty tips. What are you waiting for? Head over to Vogue.com membership to join. And here's a little treat. Use code TRT20 and snag 20% off your membership. That's TRT20 for 20% off your ticket to Vogue Club. Are you in? This is The Run Through. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Sherman Ardy. <laughs> I know I was like oh, I'm, I just feel like this is like a recurring nightmare all right Choma <laughs> happy December issue cover day to yeah well I guess not as much to you anymore because you're not no, U.S. Vogue not, but to not U.S. Not Vogue cover, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> not my cover not my problem because <laughs> there's always oh some problem there's always a problem <laughs> <laughs> The December issue is out, and Nicki Minaj is our cover star. It is Nicki's first cover, and she's been in the magazine a few times starting 10 years ago, and it's been very exciting to finally see her be on the cover, have this beautiful Norman Jean Roy, glamorous, elegant photo. There's an amazing photo inside of her with her son that I love. Max Ortega styled it. Uh, I heard His of- first cover. For Max's first cover, Norman Jean Roy's first cover, Nikki's first cover. Uh, I heard a very sweet story from on set, which is that Norman um, said to Max, I'm, I'm so happy that my first cover gets to be with you. And Max got all teary-eyed oh. and sort of hit his head in the rack. Uh, it's such a big deal. And I so, know. Such a, such, a, such a sweet creative team. I know. I mean, I have to say, Choma, though, I loved Rob Haskell wrote a fantastic cover story, but Choma did an amazing interview with Nikki, bathed in pink light in her studio, <laughs> where they chatted for a very long time. We did. I think she's just, she's in such a good moment in her life where she's just so comfortable in her own skin and sure of who she is and owning her accomplishments. The fact that she's basically one of the greatest rappers, like period. So it was a really great time to talk to her. Her her son was in the other room. I could hear him giggling. She has. Yeah, no what does she call her son again? Big Daddy? No, Papa Bear. No, correct. Papa Bear, not Big Papa. <laughs> I knew some where, dad reference what, was where in there. Where did we get these? I know we knew we, we knew it was dad reference. But. Yeah, I was, thought she was extremely touching and frank on motherhood and what that journey has been like for her. So mm. I'm really excited for everyone to hear your interview with her. But first, we want to talk about the news of the week, which was mostly Met announcement and the CFTAs. So do you feel like you know what this Met is all about? This was quite a topic of discussion in our digital stand-up. And, of course, you know, it's <laughs> very um, intense timing when you can go live with the announcement. So the time that the Met gave us was 10.26 on Wednesday morning. And uh, it was like the New Year's Eve ball drop during our meeting. It was like, okay, <laughs> and we're live. Um, but, yes, the Met theme of the exhibition was announced yesterday morning. And Luke Leach uh, is here from London, and he wrote a great piece about it that everyone should read. But from what I understand, it's called Sleeping Beauty. And Uh it's a way to use 
AI to awaken or reinvigorate these archive pieces in the museum that are obviously too fragile to be worn. It's 250 garments and accessories spanning four centuries, and they'll be united thematically by sort of iconography of nature and birds, bees, flowers, um, flora and fauna, so to speak. So I think it's You know, a simplistic way to look at it is this will be a best of the Mets costume archives and some choice uh, art items as well to help tell the story. So we're awakening this sleeping beauty. Oh my yeah, God. I'm excited to see this one. This one feels like you. It's really going to be like fully, fully immersive in like a. <laughs> I hope so. And oh God, what's the dress code going to be? Da, da, da. So you know, Choma, you have better, more recent experience with this, but always it's a fun reveal when the dress code is announced because it's always a cheeky play on the theme. And yes, exactly, it's a cheeky play on the theme. It's not like you know a direct. Well, and so examples of like for even for the Karl Lagerfeld, which was a fairly, you know, direct theme, uh, the dress code was in honor of Karl, which meant that you could have a little more leeway, perhaps. Um, Yeah, it's always so fun to see how people interpret the dress code. Choma, we missed you at the CFDA Awards. I know. Tell me what it was like to be in the room. I was, I was, uh, well, first of all, the room was from afar. It was at the Natural History Museum. Everyone was seated under the whale. A rare person, not an Ozempic. And it was, I actually really liked the venue. I thought it was, uh, felt festive, but not too cramped or crowded. Um, And it was a long night. You know, we were, we were there till 11. Uh, There were 12 awards. And I think there were some surprises. People seemed to be quite convinced that Tori Birch was going to win women's wear. And then I, I was quite convinced too. Yeah. But Kate, Kate, and Kate won it a uh, second year running. Yeah, That's quite Kate, unusual, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Kate Holstein won a uh, second year in a row. So that was a curveball to some spectators. Um, the Olsen twins, the row, uh, won accessories no and they right? did not show up, which was not, you know, there were some mumblings about that in the room. Mm. People looked great. People really came for it. Um, I loved Chloe Sevigny in this Big Bird yellow, Christopher John Rogers. She looked amazing. Serena Williams really leaned into her Tom Brown voluminous explosion. When did she do? Do we know? We don't know. She honestly, I forgot she was pregnant. It was there was so much fabric involved in the dress that it wasn't even <laughs> apparent. So I guess it was successful in sort of taking people's eye off of that. I love that Willie Willie won best menswear. Willie Chavaria won for menswear. People were very excited about that. And Diotima's Rachel Scott won for emerging oh, designer, so nice. and she had quite a few fans in her sparkling crochet. So that was fun. I was and excited. She quite, to- gave quite an emotional. She did. She gave a lovely speech about being Jamaican and where she came from and what this means to her. And it was really a lovely moment. Maria Cornejo also gave a really moving speech. Um, She won the Lifetime Achievement Award and everyone should listen to her interview on the podcast from last week. Yeah. And it feels like the anaissance the anaissance, Anne Hathaway continues. Anne Hathaway replaced SJP. twice. She wore Ralph, that Ralph denim. Yeah, she wore Ralph Lauren 
jewel-encrusted denim, and she replaced— What was the red dress? It was Rodarte. She... she wore a red Rodarte oh, dress. That dress may have been my dress of the night. Yeah, she— Who was she... your best dress of the night? I think Chloe was one, but I agree. Anne was great. And honestly, you know, she replaced SJP, and it's such a hard role to be that host because everyone wants the move, the evening to keep moving, but you want someone who's sort of fun and lively. And I thought she really handled it with aplomb. She's—it was like the best use of her theater kittiness. Like, at the, at the end of the day, she just is like <laughs> up there for she's the challenge. Yeah, and it was perfect. <laughs> oh, and she's looking so good. I mean, it just like— She's like peak. Um, I know. Honestly, I think that Chloe Seveny in Christopher John Rogers might have been my best dress. It's just Ooh, a fabulous to, color. Didn't she get looked a look cool. At her. Let me have a look. Ayo Edaberry in Loewe, I thought looked fantastic, and she was sort of a bell of the ball. People were really excited to see her. Yeah, um, I think she might win for best fashion red carpet newcomer of the year. She's so Choma's fab. award already. Yes, <laughs> my award. My prediction for end of year. In fact, the CFDA stands for Choma Fashion Designers. (laughs) (laughs) It was fun. It's always like a, you know, a sort of fashion prom. Choma, what else have you been thinking about this week? Oh, I've been thinking about, I I don't know. I'm I'm in a real kind of, I'm still shopping out my fall. We're still in fall, right? We're still in fall. (laughs) Come clean in. Yeah, yeah. So um, my colleague, Amal Mekhtar, she she went and tested out this new H&M Paco Rabanne. Oh, right. uh, It's this week. And I love Paco and there are so many great pieces in there and the quality is amazing. So I've just been sort of pondering what, what to buy from that collection. God, so many important thoughts on my mind. <laughs> but yeah, I've been been meeting designers here, which has been really fun and gearing up for the fashion awards here and figuring out what I'm going to wear to that too. Um, oh yeah, that's, I, yeah. W- I want something big from you, Choma. <laughs> I, I, I have something in mind. I just don't know if the said person will agree to it, but we'll see. Oh, suspense. The run-through will be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness really, I found transformative. Or a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Lale Arakoglu, every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Choma, you got to meet Nikki. Tell us where you met. Uh, it was a real treat to meet her. I met her in the recording studio that she she records at. Um, in New York? And it's a, yeah, yeah, in New York. It's a really great space. And they had a room, obviously, that was, as you mentioned, bathed in pink lights. So it felt very appropriate given that her new album 
which is a follow-up to her kind of one of her best albums ever, which is Pink Friday. So we were all in a pink mood and it was great. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait for everyone to hear this. Nikki. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you in the studio. Can you describe um, the amazing outfit that you're wearing? Well, I just have one, this blue and white velvet sweatsuit. It's it's Louis, it's Louis Vuitton, and I have the Louis Vuitton sneakers to match, and I have the Louis Vuitton the scarf, and I have a Louis Vuitton bag and a little carry-on. It's it's very chic. It's all working Thank together. You. And yes, I'm <laughs> well, very I, I'm, I'm very with, here for it. I had the baby with me. So believe it or not, I was going to wear something that was all black and slick my hair back and try to look as sexy as possible. But with that baby, I couldn't even if I wanted to. Like he's so I would like just to do everything that needs to be done, like giving him his little shower, dressing him. Oh. I'm sweating by the time we get out the house, you know, <laughs> door. So this was more practical for me today because I had the baby. Well, I heard that you don't have a nanny right now? Well, I've never really had a nanny. I mean, isn't Papa Bear like three? <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, the thing is, I was pregnant during the scary time of COVID where, where nobody knew how serious it was. So just imagine a brand new baby and someone tells you, oh, you know, let's start interviewing nannies and mm-hmm. seeing da 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 People also didn't expect it to last that long, right? right? So by the time I knew it, I had already developed this 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 anxiety of, oh my God, I don't want a nanny. You know, like what if the nanny goes home and mm. and someone that she, that her, her family member she may not know has COVID, and then you right. know the baby immune system. So that's really the beginning of why we weren't having anyone. And then I did. End up start doing some interviews with nannies. I hired four different nannies. Whoa. And none of them worked out. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to try this again. And then I tried it again recently. And someone did work out. Someone um, was, she was really, really good. He loves her. She loves him. I love her. All of that. So a couple months in, I realized that she wasn't able to do certain things with him. And I was like, are you okay? Like, you know, I started asking her questions and come to find out she had just been healing from breaking three ribs, a collarbone and a a fractured finger. And I'm like, I'm like, lady, the last child you're going to be able to run after is this little (laughs) strong boy. This is not going to work. So. Again, I really like her. Um, so we'll see, you know, if we could figure out something in the future. But right now, no. Yo no puedo. <laughs> I don't have one. But you know what? Being When I'm in New York, of course, there's my family right. that can stop in, right. you know, if I really need. I just want and one of those people I hate asking for help. Aww. And um, it's stupid. You know, now that I look back at life and from a different perspective, I realize how stupid that is i mean it must be hard to trust yes you know i mean how especially at this point in your life like how you let people in is like you know it must be that must be a challenge bingo you know now i'd like to say though i'm an optimistic person Mm -hmm. i generally feel you know like and like i said no i'm not lucky i'm blessed i i am a spiritual person i always know that everything's gonna work out good um, that's what I believe. I've always been like that since I was a kid. But this industry, 
if you are a trusting person, it changes you quickly. And, and, mm. I, and I hate that. Mm. Like, I really hate that, you know, because life isn't fun lo- like that when you can't mm. trust anybody. Yes, I can, un- I can you only can, imagine you, that. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I thought I always had everything figured out because one thing I've always been able to do is figure myself out mm. and focus on my goal. Mm. But when you enter into the picture a little human being, everything you thought you knew goes out the window about life. Mm. Everything you thought you cared about shifts. Mm. It's the best thing in the world. But it opens you up to, you know, you, you, you're you more vulnerable. You have to trust more people. You have to let people around. Yeah. So it's so strange. I never thought motherhood would feel so like a difficult problem to solve in school. Like mm. the one that you can't figure out on a test or because I always loved children like I always, so you always knew you wanted to be a oh, mom mama bear you were yes. gonna be mama bear absolutely <laughs> yes um I loved I always loved children I always loved communicating with children I always so so I just thought it was gonna be cakewalk mm. but I forgot something when the during the, my life when I was loving children and you know acting like you know my little brother was my own child and taking him driving places and doing all stuff I didn't have a career. Right. Right. You know, I didn't have to wake up and be on a, a talking and on a podcast, you know, <laughs> and you know, like I didn't configure that part and I guess because I'm so used to planning everything out and, you know, that that's been the one gotcha moment for mm-hmm. me like, oh shoot. This is a lot more than I anticipated, you know, and because not that I can't program my my brain like a machine like I can do and have done for year my whole life, but because I don't want to. Mm. You don't want to be a machine anymore when you're a mama because that child comes first, period. That's mm. it. That's all. That's it. Wow. I mean, first of all, congratulations on, I mean, uh, this Vogue cover is incredible. And I want to say that maybe one of my most favorite pictures is you with your son. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, what was the experience like of, of, I heard he was running around the studio a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Yes. He has a lot of energy. Yep. What was the experience of, of, of shooting this cover like for you? And what does it mean for you to be on the cover of Vogue now at this point in your career where you really, it's not like, it's not like you're a one hit wonder. You've proved that you're, you know, one of the greatest female rappers ever. Thank you. I will say I cried when my publicist, when Joe called me. And that is something, and you can ask anybody that knows me. Right. At this point in my career... Nobody would be able to tell you the last time I've cried about getting a phone call that had anything to do with my career. Like right. in terms of tears of joy, yeah, you know, every book. Yeah. And, and it normally are things that 
I was expecting to get a call on or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. But this was something like I didn't even know it was being discussed. And then being on set, um, it was fun. But I was worried that when it was time to do the pictures with my son that he was going to fall asleep because it was kind of like nearing his nap. So I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, you guys, let's go. And so but something beautiful happened is that he got down there. And normally he lights up and, you know, wants to take pictures and thinks he's the star of every room child. But because he happened to be winding down, he ended up just laying on top of me. And he, my, I hadn't had my son lay that way on me for such a long time. My son is is solid. So in order for me to pick him up, like I can pick him up and place him, but he'll wriggle out, you know, and he'll get he'll get up out of there. He's not going to stay anywhere. He doesn't want to be. But he ended up just laying there in my arms. He eventually fell asleep. And when they said cut, I I just started crying again. (laughs) Seeing myself with this big jacket covering my son and holding him so close to me. And it made me think of him being in my tummy. Wow. That's what it made me think of. Did you enjoy being pregnant? Or looks like hard work to me. (laughs) I will tell you that anyone who lies and tells women that they enjoyed being pregnant (laughs) needs to be punched in their forehead. (laughs) It's been 13 years. Pig Friday 2. Yes. How do you feel? Tell us about the album. Tell us what it feels like now to be doing this oh my god i went through a time during the pregnancy and right after the pregnancy and i I spoke about where i had like writer's block Mm. um and also didn't want to say certain things pregnant like i just felt on weird but this album has been so therapeutic because so much life has happened in the last five years for me Mm. so i put those things that i don't want to talk about. I put those things in the music. Mm. I have a song talking about when my father got hit by a car and they called me and they, and, and I mean, my mother called me and told me that they were at the hospital and stuff like that. Mm. I wrote a song detailing what that feels like because I thought, imagine how many people have gone through this exact thing. Right. And I've never heard this in a song. Right. However, It took me maybe six to nine months to get the courage up to, even after I had written the lyrics, to record it. Because I knew Mm -hmm. once I recorded it, I would have to hear it back. And I would have Mm -hmm. to edit and keep listening. and, And I was like, I wasn't ready until this album. I didn't realize how much I needed for my artistry that I originally had with my mixtapes in my first album that I hadn't been utilizing, you know? Something as simple as going through the beats raw, like without anything on them, without any idea of that. Like, I don't need someone's idea on a beat. I want to just feel the music. I just want to, I want it to write itself type of music. Mm. And I said to myself, that when, the last time I felt like this was before Pink Friday. Wow. By the way, I tweeted PF2, I believe 2018 or 2019, because we were originally going to put the album out then. But then, you know, preggers and COVID and da-da-da-da. <laughs> um, but I 
for some reason, was already feeling a full circleness yeah. once I became pregnant. Mm. So I actually did do a song like that where I think, because my, my, I, I had a song called Dear Old Nikki on, on my first album, Pink Friday album. And my fans loved it, but I hated it. I couldn't listen to it for a long time. <laughs> like, so much of it would make me just be, like, What cringe. was it about it that made you cringe? I don't know. Right. <laughs> just <laughs> one of those yes. things. But I'm like that with a lot of my music, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, very... So you always need to look forward. You're not looking back. You're not listening no. to them. I will say this. I knew that I was in my happy place again when I was able to listen to my old music. Uh, and not I, feel like, right. When I was able to not only listen to my old music, but look at old photos of myself. Right. I wasn't able, I wasn't even able to look at old pictures of myself. Really? Why? I didn't like the way it looked. Right. I mean, you had, to me, like... You've always been a trailblazer. Everything you've done, you. you broke the mold. You did things your way. Like, I was going to ask you about your style evolution because I think you just, you just land. It was like you landed from another planet. <laughs> you know, I remember like there was when you went to Fashion Week with Anna and it was oh like my God. every why look did was. Why did y'all no, let like, me? No, why I, did, I'm in a picture behind you, you sitting are. like probably picking my nose. Okay. Well, let me clarify something. When I was talking about I didn't, I wasn't able to look back at my old pictures. I wasn't talking about that, um, right? Um, even though, earlier, I, even earlier. though I will share, even though that is the truth. So I'm glad right. you brought that up. So it's 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 two sided. Right. I wasn't able to look back at my old pictures because I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like being skinny. Oh, okay. Having okay. a flat butt. Right. 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 You right. Know having boobs that didn't sit high enough. Right. I, it was a lot of things. Right. And when I look back at myself now, mm. I literally was like, oh, I'm about to look like that girl again. The, the reason why I wasn't able to look at my old photos was I didn't like the way I looked, right? Mm. Physically. And now I love the way that person looks physically. Mm. What changed for you? <sighs> It's very scary to feel constantly like you're in a fishbowl. Oh, mm. Remember, artists are people who didn't live their life in a fishbowl or wanted to do something that made them feel like they were out of the fishbowl. Mm. Then you do this thing, and if you become successful at this thing, there you go, back in the fishbowl. Mm. And this fishbowl is, you know, this fishbowl has a, a million people looking at, right. at you. Not just right. two and three and people on your block. Mm. So it does something and you do have to reconnect. Mm. I think pregnancy could have played a role because seeing my son did remind me of myself so much. My real self. And it made me think... Why why didn't I like this? You know, like, so weird. But seeing old photos, being able to look at old photos again made me realize these old photos were beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that girls 
Right now in your life, you are beautiful. You are fine. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, if you change anything on your body and do all the, you know, do anything surgical and all this, you're going to more than likely, not definitely, more than likely look back one day and say, I was fine Mm -hmm. just the way I was. And that's what happened to me. I could not believe even some of the photos that I had done, you know, that I didn't love. Anyway, so now regarding fashion. Mm -hmm. Yes, that too. That makes me cringe too. Sitting down (laughs) next to Anna in those (laughs) outfits. It's amazing. Especially the one where... She had sent me a picture and said, hey, we match. Because she had had on a little, like, an orange and something else dress. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. I wanted to just crawl under a rock. Um, but, yes, I was very much in my camp stage. Right. And I was having fun and loving it. Because you know what? I wanted so badly to step out of the female rap box. Mm. I really did. Like... I wanted to create a new image of what a female rapper is and feels like and and moves like and raps like. And I wanted to create a new lane. Mm. I didn't want to just imitate my idols, mm. you know? Yeah. So I went from... Southside Jamaica, Queens, New York City, <laughs> big bamboo earrings, you know, and all of a sudden to this really, really over the top fun stuff. Because the thing is, the pink, it made me happier. I like, can sympathize. We are bathed in pink light right now and I feel great. And yeah, pink is such a fab color. Yes, it really is. And is it still your fa- Is it your favorite color? I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite color to, to wear, wear, but just right. as an energy. Yes, pink, the pink, pink energy, energy. To, to to look at. Yeah. I, I loved looking at pink. Yeah. I love looking at pink flowers. I love looking at pink anything, liquids. Mm. You know, it makes me happy. So once I realized that, because I just started with a little pink in the back of my black hair at first, once I realized that, I wanted more and more and more of it, you know? And so I kind of, I, it was like an addiction. I got addicted to constantly have, you know, looking over the top. But what happens when you constantly look over the top, wearing over the top wigs and stuff like that, you can forget. Even though this might sound silly, because you think, oh, I, it doesn't matter what I look like when I was, I know who I am. But you can forget who you are. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think happened. Um, and then for the pink print era, I stripped down, you know, wearing a lot of black and stuff like that. Um, and now, but this is different. This this doesn't feel stripped down. This feels like oh, when I first came out, mm. you know, that's what me wearing my real hair again and all that stuff. Mm. That's That's why I love that. The first magazine capturing me wearing my real hair in I don't in years. Wow. If if I ever even did it did that, um, is American Vogue. I love it. <laughs> you know, like and it really, really worked out, I think. You know, we did we did a couple looks with the wigs and we did a couple and then the second day, you know, I did 
my hair, my natural hair. And I love that. Yeah, no, I love it too. I, I also love the cover of your new album. Thank you. I love that Pat McGrath, the, the makeup artist, she Thank was you. someone you worked yes. with on it. And I look at it and I love, every, like, it looks like a dystopian New York. You're like in a subway car. Like, tell me a bit about the cover because I love it. Sure. Well, we were trying to capture Pink Friday. But I was like, guys, I want it to be Pink Friday, elevated, high fashion. And then it had the pink and red, which solidified my new alter ego for Red Ruby. And then when we put the headpiece on my hair, oh, my God, it brought in all of the Asian influence, you know, that I've been paying homage to for my whole career, Mm -hmm. you know, Chun-Li and all of that. And Everybody was like, oh, my God, that's it. I mean, I love that you have all these many alter egos. Like, did you have imaginary, like, (laughs) friends as a kid? Like, where's the alter ego? (laughs) No. (laughs) I know people who say they have had uh, imaginary friends, but no, I never had an imaginary (laughs) friend. I had, like, I had a cabbage patch. He was a boy. I named him Gavin. I mean, no, I think they come with the name. So I think his name was was already Gavin or Gavin. And then I remember I had a doll that I named her Penny. Right. But yeah, no, no, no imaginary friends. No? Mm-mm. <laughs> I mean, we were just watching your VMA performance and the singing voice. Thank you. The last time I saw you. Um when did like you've been hiding this for so many years from us? <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I. Well, I don't normally perform songs like that right. before my albums come out. Like those right. are the kinds of songs that normally are like the ones that pull you know tug at your heartstrings that are on the album. Right. But for some reason, this time once again. I felt like being the leader of the pack in terms of I never want to do what other people are doing musically mm-hmm. at the at that moment. Right. I always want to make a sharp left turn, like, and just do something different. And so last time I saw you, I wrote it from scratch. It has elements of me speaking about my father, mm-hmm. but the whole song isn't written about him. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted, before my album came out, to to touch people outside of just, like, club stuff and right. sexy stuff and right. showing my booty and showing my this and that. I don't know. I just wanted to draw it all back in and remind people, hey, um, I'm actually... A talented writer. I love rap. I'm passionate about this. This is not something that I can give up on even if I tried. Mm. Um, this is my passion. And I just wanted people to listen to my words this time. You know, I didn't put out a visual for it. Mm. Nothing. I just wanted people to listen to the words and, and be able to relate. You know, because you know, I know so many people that I know have also lost people recently right. in the last few years right. more than so many people that I talk to have lost people close to them mm. and you're expected just to get up and keep it going mm. get on with it you're not 
really expected to take the time that I think is needed for somebody that you really love when they leave this earth. Even in a nine to five, mm. just imagine. Like I remember how much they, how much time you know. Even when a woman had a baby, how much time they would be able to take off. And now, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. Just dawned on me. Women typically have to go back to work after like six weeks crazy. or something like that. And I have a hard time leaving my child, and he's three. I know. So. I heard him on the in the way in here. He's 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 around, guys. He's not far away. Yeah, I, he's he sounds adorable. I mean, he's thank the you. cutest thing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. He he actually is a people person. He is. Yes, I didn't expect that. What what, what qualities do you think he gets from you? He's an actor. No, yes, he's very theatrical. So he 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 could he'll definitely be able to uh, do the alter ego thing then. <laughs> yes, but he's not. I'm not letting him do anything. People, for some reason, always tell me that. Since I had the baby, my fans always joke. Oh, Papa is gonna be a, the best rapper in the game, and you know, just yeah, trying to be it's funny. A lot of pressure. Oh, right. No, but can I just say something? This is how I really feel. When you are born. With a trust fund or a bank account that's already there sitting, you know, don't nobody want to hear you rapping about the struggle, okay? <laughs> we don't want to hear that. So I'm going to keep it real with my son. If he ever tried that day, <laughs> if, he, if he ever tries one day, I'm going to say, listen, nobody don't want to hear that, okay? Uh, I went to the I went to the hospital to deliver you in a, I would joke and say this all the time. I went to the hospital to deliver him in a Range Rover. I can't. He came. He was. He came back home in a Rolls Royce. Okay, she on my soul. I don't know what he gonna be rapping about, but it ain't gonna be the struggle because he's not. He, he cannot relate, and I don't like that. So, but the other thing is that I don't feel that people's passions should be pushed to children. Right. I think that your passion and your gift, you're born with it, right? And so the last thing I would do is help him record music and stuff at an early age. I just want him to just, I want him to see what he, what naturally comes, you know, what naturally makes him happy. Really, he really likes my engineer juice. And every time <laughs> juice is like, anytime he would, Aww. he would be able to like walk by the, the studio or whatever. He would be like staring at juice. And do you know now he knows how to do, there's this dance that we call it the juice dance. <laughs> like, yo, it's crazy. The baby is able to imitate juice's movement down to a T. And he acts like he like he's sitting there on a the chair and he's like bumping to the music, like how juice bumps to it. Aww. And so he'd be having us cracking up. But what I will say is he definitely loves music. Right. I mean, what is it true what they say about the music that you played when you were pregnant? I mean, were you in the studio? Like, are there songs? What's his taste in me? I mean, does he have things that he likes? He doesn't like sad music, sad right. songs. Right. So I would be playing gospel when he was when he was just born. I would be when I was in his room rocking him on his rocking chair. I would try to play like gospel because I thought that would soothe him. Mm. No, he started crying. Yeah. But 
He tends to like stuff he can dance to, turn up to. He loves staring at himself in the mirror. He loves getting dressed. He loves going in my closet, picking up my designer shades and my designer hats. And then he goes and picks out a designer uh, suitcase, a carry-on suitcase. I guess he's not checking bags, okay? And then he go like, and then I'll, then we'll just be look at him. He goes in the mirror and he's like talking to himself. He's like hyping himself up. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, who is this little human? And where did he come from? <laughs> because he already cares about like his appearance, and he already has like a little, you know, like the little sauce, you know, to him. So it's fun watching that because. Again, that's not something that we're forcing on to him. That's something yeah. that he's, you know, picking up for himself. He, he seems to like getting himself dressed and stuff. <laughs> I will say one more thing. Even though I will would not push him to do music, I will, I will say I probably make up a new song for him once a day. Really? Yeah, it's probably like just four lines. So you sing, t- you sing to him all the time. Like, okay. like it's really a like a rap. Like, Papa is here and he's so cute. Papa is here and that's the truth. And and you would be surprised. He knows that I'm talking about him, so he gets you know he he gets happy. I grew up in a house where we laughed a lot, so mm-hmm. so I definitely was going to make sure that. My son knows that his mama has a sense of humor. Yeah. And that he can be silly and, you know, of course he overdoes it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) The run through will be back in just a moment. We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space, a toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. And we're back. I really love talking to Nikki about how she... She was actually a theater kid too, and she has this, like, strong love for acting. It's still, it turns out. I love movies. I don't think I would ever go back to theater, but it really prepares you 
Right. You know, because you have to do that live. There's no, right. oh, I got to redo it. No. True. Once that audience is there, you've got to get it right. And yeah. could you imagine having to be, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to all the theater kids and theater adults out there that are out there doing <laughs> theater. Because people don't realize that. That's what I said to Margot Robbie on the carpet for the, the oh, Barbie movie. Yeah. I was giving her a hug. And I think she she automatically thought it was going to be like, you know, the regular industry, kiss, kiss, and da-da-da-da. <laughs> and, and I said, um, I said something along the lines of, like, yo, you're so dope. Like, you know, and we were about to, like, part ways. And, and then I was like, no, I really am proud of you. <laughs> I was like... I went to school for acting. I know she was like, what is this weirdo talking about? I, my, 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 I went to school for acting speech. But I said, I went to school for acting, so I want you to know that I understand how difficult it is. And I'm telling you immediately, it's like her eyes changed. Mm. It's like she, she knew immediately she was understood without saying a word. And she was like, oh, my God, what? And we started talking about it. I was like, yeah, you know, that was my first love. I said, I just want to tell you, though, I know the commitment it takes mm. to do these these role, these starring roles. And that's why, you know, I feel for a lot of the actors. Did like, you grow up wanting to be a... I, I would have wanted to be, yes. But where I was raised... Those things didn't happen right. to uh, to people right. like us because right. no 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 talent scout was gonna be coming in the freaking ghetto and you know so what happened was one day I was in seventh grade mm-hmm. and this teacher she didn't she never particularly liked me <laughs> until she was doing a play at the end of the year right and we had to all audition and. She saw I could act. Mm. And she pulled my mother aside. She said, hey, if she keeps her grades up for, for, for eighth grade, she could be accepted into performing arts high school. Mm. Um, you know, and my mother was like, really? Okay. But it struck something in me when that lady said that. Mm. I wanted it so bad that I was... You know, in my notebook for, for from junior high school, <laughs> I was writing LaGuardia, my LaGuardia high school had, had you know, you know how you do your header on your loose leaf paper, like right. your school and da, da da da. I was so young, but I was already doing the manifesting wow. things, and I didn't know that I didn't even know the word, but I was already I manifested every single thing I wanted. I mean, what are your first memories of being a kid? Because I know you moved from Trinidad to New York when you were five. And Trinidad happens to be one of my favorite places really? in the world. thank you. It's um, the most amazing country. Thank you. Um, wow. One of my first memories as a kid is always my grandmother. She, she passed when she was in her early 70s, but... So she never got to even see me, right. like, successful. Wow. Yeah. But um, one of my fav- one of my earliest memories was we eat this thing in Trinidad called mango chow. Yum. And it's so spicy. <laughs> so my grandmother would have, literally have a big white bucket, chop up all the mangoes, put all the ingredients in it. And we would just be right there waiting for her to cut and finish, you know, doing it. And then you let it sit. And then I was eating it, and I loved it. But what was funny is, when I look back and think, 
how young I was. I mm. must have been like three years old or four years uh, old. It's the and same they, age as your son now. Well, right. You have three. Mm-hmm. He just turned three. So, yes, exactly. I would never give my son something that was spicy. (laughs) (laughs) So what's interesting is that, you know, in Trinidad, we are introduced to to spicy stuff Mm. immediately. Like, not that it's going to burn your tongue, but just spicy enough. And I, I just always look back and think, like, did maybe maybe Granny gave me used to used to give me like a different piece of the the mango, or maybe she used to, you know, rinse it a little bit before she gave it to me. But since that time, I always loved mangoes, and I always have loved mango chow. And I actually know how to make mango chow myself mm. now. Are you are you domestic? It. Do you like to cook? Are you domestic? I, I am. I feel I'm more domestic in my mind, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not domestic. I try. I want to be, too. I want to I wanna I wanna be, be so bad. Yo, you know. I want to be so bad. Um, I love cooking, though. Okay, well, then, you, then yeah. you're, you're already ahead of me because I want to be good at cooking. I love eating. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, but I, I say, tell people, I don't have a lot of dishes because of my career. Obviously, I wasn't right. able to, you know, I don't have a lot, but... The ones I have, they're good. Like because I know how to season food really, really well. Oh, what other, what's the, if I were to come over for dinner, what would you cook me? You would love my spaghetti. Okay. You would love my spaghetti. <laughs> so, but but it's it's a little bit spicy. I love spicy. Okay, you would love my spaghetti. <laughs> I, I promise you. So the other thing that you would love is I don't know if you've ever eaten kingfish, but from oh, Trinidad. No. A lot of people from Trinidad eat kingfish. It's something that Americans don't eat as much. Right. Um, it's a thick fish. Um, it already it already has really great flavor. Mm. So, you know, I you you fry I fry it first and then I stew it. Mm. And the gravy is just so good. Like the the gravy then has you know tomatoes, green peppers, onions, a little bit of garlic, um, cilantro, um, scallions. You know, like just not oh, not too much <clears throat> that it overpowers it. But the gravy on the rice and the fish, it <laughs> just tastes so uh, good. Do you remember moving to what it was like moving from, to like, you know, to yeah. Queens? Like, did it feel like, wow, big city, we're here, like, this is, I don't know, it must have been quite a culture shock? Oh, my God, to say the least. Well, my parents had flown out, I guess, to uh, get their stuff situated, like, paperwork to, you know to bring their children to the United States. But I was a very young girl. I didn't realize, I'm sure I didn't know that it was going to end up taking two years. Wow. As a kid, when you think about the United States, you think it's this perfect thing. For sure. No one tells you, and even if they did explain it to me as a kid, of course I I wouldn't have understood that. I wouldn't have understood at all. People on the islands... Even now, it's a joke. Like, on TikTok, I see so many island people saying it. People in the islands think that, you know, their relatives in the in the States are, are living like kings and queens. Yes, I know. And that we can just send them a bunch of money and we can just do this and that. And they don't realize the hustle and the bustle of living here. Yeah. And um, so I was disappointed when I 
Because for some reason, I don't know why that day we came, my mother, my parents had the couches like set up on top of each other. Like the couches was weren't down. I don't know if maybe they had cleaned the carpet or something. Right. But, but to it my chaotic. Li- yes, to my little brain as a oh. kid, it seemed like you said, chaotic and for lack of a better term, poor. Yeah. It remind yeah. it reminded me of I'm like, oh my God, why did I think I was gonna walk into some fairy tale castle? Right. And that's not what I walked in we walked into. However, looking back now even though the projects were two blocks, were a block and a half away from where I lived, and it was very, it was a, it was a tough neighborhood. Looking back now, I think, wow, you know, we, we, even though we a lot of times had to, had to be on welfare or food stamps, whatever, we were living in a house, mm. a two bedroom house. And that was a big accomplishment for my family because a lot of people didn't own their own house at that time. I mean, I know you wrote your first rap song when you were 12. Do you remember what you, what the content of it was, what you were rapping about? Yeah, I think I was a little bit, I think I might have been 11, but I remember. Could you recite it now? Yes, it's got, (laughs) yes, I've said this before, I've done it before, but these are the two lines that I will say. (laughs) It's, cookies, the name, chocolate chip is the flavor, suck up my styles like a cherry lifesaver. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. I know you've done it before, but it's so good. It's just, it gives me goosebumps to hear you rap. Like, it's just like you, it's really crazy. Um, Thank you. Well, you're in a very different era now. And I kind of want to ask you before we, before we wrap up, how would you describe the moment that you're in now? Like, what is this era for Nikki because it seems like you really know who you are you're comfortable in your skin you're kind of like revisiting something in a new way what is this moment for you and what does it mean it feels very triumphant I will say it feels like allowing myself to be me without caring what people think you know and yeah. it took a long time to get it's to that nice place. to let go of that yes. it's so hard though it's hard it's very hard but it is something that must be done in order to achieve true happiness. The things that I would let bother me in the past, I wouldn't even flinch now because mm. I realize how weak those people are mm. and how much they feed off of my strength and my energy. Mm. And so I just was like, okay, I get it now. I figured it out. I figured out the game and let's play. That's it. It's that simple. That simple. <laughs> and I've paid my dues. So mm. now it's dope to just be able to sit back and not feel like there's anything to prove. Yes. When you know you are the absolute best, you don't have to stress at every little thing. You know, it's like more of a calm confidence. Yeah. Less of the you know, trying to prove things. No, it's just, however, don't forget, rap is braggadocious. Oh, yes, it is. And people, <laughs> you you want to know so crazy? The most professional-looking, sweet-looking people that I meet are always like, I like such-and-such such song. And it's always the, the most ghetto, 
gritty, <laughs> like, you know. So I realized. I'm sure there's some of that on the album. We hope so. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I was just thinking, I was just thinking to myself earlier how f- much fun I'm having. Too. You just seem like you're having so much fun. And I feel so like that fun. is coming through the music that you're making. <laughs> you're having so much fun. Yes. Yeah. And yep. doing it all and with Papa Bear oh, and everything. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah, Nikki, thank you for your time. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. Thank you. It's thank been you. an honor and a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you guys for thinking of me. Please. Oh, my God. I want to so... make sure everyone knows that in the building. Please, I want everybody to know. Everybody that this knows. means the world to me. Yeah. Thank you. It's big and we're yes. here for it. We're here to celebrate Some moments. Yeah. And that's it for today's episode. See you soon. The Run for Revoke is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. I'm excited to tell you about Fat Mascara, an award-winning podcast hosted by two beauty journalists who share their insider access to the beauty industry. Twice weekly, hosts Jessica Matlin and Jennifer Sullivan talk candidly about beauty, news, trends, and the latest products and treatments. You can expect industry gossip, unfiltered product reviews, and revealing conversations with brand founders, makeup artists, perfumers, dermatologists, and more. Plus, Jess and Jen get their high-profile guests like Victoria Beckham and Tracy Ellis Ross to open up about their relationships with beauty culture. Fat Mascara is the beauty industry unfiltered. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.